Everybody, we're waiting on uh, Tim Norton, who's going to join us today. I-, I thought it might be good. As part of race training, this race training series, we've got a couple of guests lined up, uh, and we're going to start out with Tim, and he has the link, so he knows it's at 8, and so he should be here soon, theoretically. But you know what? Uh, we get out, so basically we stop um, staffed hours at 7.30, so he might be yep. running a little bit late. Um, we're so casual with the podcast that we're not even bothering to juice it now. We're just like, let's just start talking. And hit no, do you know what? I was like, yeah. I, I told him, I said, you know, <laughs> the last couple of episodes, Zach and I have just like kind of rolled with it and hit record <laughs> as soon as we get on. And sometimes there's fun stuff in there. And sometimes I cut it all out because it sucks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Um, oh. So, yeah. Um, so what have you been up to otherwise? How's your running going? Yeah, my running's going well. I did a, uh, a pretty good workout uh, yesterday. So it was basically mm-hmm. I did two mile warm up easy. Uh, and then I did an eight, so that's 3.2 kilometers. And then I did an 8K threshold run. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it was meant to be a threshold run, but it kind of turned into one. So I basically did it at like 440 pace or something. Nice. And I was really happy with that. I wanted to do it in under 40 minutes. And I did it in like 37 and a half. So I was like really, really excited about that. And then I did a t- uh, one mile cool down. And I did my, I did a little bit of a, long run workout on Sunday, which was, or Saturday, which was fun. It was just basically, again, uh, just a 15 minute sort of run warm up, and then one minute hard, three minutes easy, one minute Mm -hmm. hard, three minutes, all the way till an hour, and then another 15 minute cool down. So for a total of 90 minutes. And I got a total of just over 10 miles, which I was happy with. And I kept my hard paces at about a four- 15 kilometer pace that's good yeah yeah yeah. and then my three minutes recovery was anywhere from like a six to seven minute kilometer just depending on how it went but it was it felt strong it felt really good you know we're starting to get into this speedy stuff and uh it's 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 all happening here at uh all things And, and how run melbourne is what now three weeks away at this point or are you starting to think about a taper for that or not worried about it yet just kind of doing your own thing still not really going to taper for it uh, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm just waiting. So basically, the end of this block next week will be yeah, we'll be right at the about the three week mark. And I'm a, I'm I'm I don't know what Kirk is going to do in terms of leading mm-hmm. me up to this because he knows. Like on yeah. my on my training plans, he always has the upcoming races and it's the dates of the run Melbourne and the yeah. Nike Melbourne Marathon. So he knows they're coming up. So I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what is gonna happen leading up to that race i'm assuming he's gonna have me taper a little bit i don't know that we're gonna shoot for a pr for this one just because i think we've kind of had the understanding that the nike melbourne marathon you can't just say the marathon you gotta say the no nike melbourne no marathon. i kudos for saying the full thing every single time yeah, yeah. Well, this is how the podcast ends up being 55 minutes <laughs> that's right uh so yeah, I think I think we're, we're gonna put a little bit more importance on that. How about you, man? What's your uh, running? Oh, I, I started run? running again. Yes, I um I went to the doctor to get a ultrasound and an X-ray done, and the ultrasound and the X-ray I got the results today. What they've shown is where I tore my Achilles. Um, I've got a little bit of calcification on the bone from where I tore my Achilles, but more to the point, what we all suspected, I've got you know severely inflamed fascia. So plantar oh. fasciitis, as we thought. Right. Um, 
really, really thick. And so we're going to get a steroid injection into it in a okay. couple of weeks' time. Um, but if, if I hadn't been doing the year's worth of inserts and rolling and all that sort of stuff already, he would have said, give that a try. But the fact that I've been doing that for a year or so, yeah. um, he said, well, listen, I think you might react well to the steroid injection. Let's give it a go. Um, but I started running again. Well, the second I had the scan and the scan came back and said, because the people during the scan, if there's nothing to tell you, they're pretty good at telling you that there's nothing there. Yeah. If there's something, then they wait for doctor's advice. Right so on. when the guy was doing the x-ray and the ultrasound, they're like, oh, listen, we can see a little bit of this. We can see a little bit of that. But we're not, you know, we're not seeing anything that we need to refer to the doctor like a like a, a stress fracture or a crack or, or anything or a tear or anything like that. So they were pretty good at telling me that there was nothing that they could see. And so I was kind of just waiting for the doctor's appointment to confirm that. So I started running again five days or so ago. And I've just been trying to slowly build up so yeah. uh, started at like, you know, just a really, really short three and a bit K run. And then I was like, no, no, I'm going to add 500 meters every day. Uh, and then by day three, the 10% rule just went out the window and I went <laughs> out and ran for 45 minutes. Um, but it felt really good. The, it's, it's no worse. My left foot and heel is no worse with the running than it was without the running. Well, so good. I'm just like, okay, well, there's just, there's something there at the moment. It's a two out of 10 on the pain scale. I'm just going to work through it. Sure. And my and my right calf, which is the one that was giving me the real trouble, um, that feels, seems like it's fixed itself. So two weeks of rest has yeah. helped that. So again, I'm being really conservative with it. I'm sticking to like six minute kilometers, really not trying to, to push it at all. Um, although I said that I went out this afternoon after work, I kind of found myself in that situation where I'm like, oh, I want to go do a proper run, but I've only got half an hour. So what should I do? And I went, no, just go run. Did like you do it running like a threshold run, you freak? I tried to. Um, but then I looked down at the watch and the watch did not think I was doing a threshold run. So there's the problem there. I felt like I was working really, really hard. And I looked down and I'm like, 555. That's not great. <laughs> I hate I when doing? that happens. I hate yeah. when that happens. Um, that, that happened to me a couple of times on my uh, on my run yesterday. I was like, working really hard. And I looked down and I'm like, it's 520. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> five twenty. I mean, five twenty. You're working, but you're not working terribly. Hard. Yeah. Well, five fifty five. It should not be working at all for me. Like that's yeah. that's slower than easy run pace when I'm training for a marathon. Um, and so I was like, which Why it am shouldn't I be. So it shouldn't be. No. If you listen to our latest episode from this last, this is week. true. I know. I should listen to. I should do as we say. Not as listen we to your heart rate, baby. Listen <laughs> to your heart rate. It's good. It's not good to be running. Um, you know. I don't know how that's going to play out. <laughs> that sounded really good. Like, I, you know, that was Michael Winslow from Police Academy good. That oh, was nice. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a deep cut, kids. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> under 35 understood that. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, oh that's funny. Um, um, uh, Tim just messaged he should be in a couple minutes. He'll, he'll be here. No problem. Does he know Police Academy? That's the most important thing. I don't even know how old he is, uh, but I doubt right. it. Oh, no, yeah. you know what? I shouldn't say that. Uh, yeah. I think Police Academy. Dude, I have not watched Police Academy in I don't even know how long. I think it was on Foxtel a couple years yeah. ago. And that was the last Didn't time Police Academy, it. like, they did the first one, and then they did all these sequels. And around about number five, they just went, let's just go back and redo the first one. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Five was Miami Beach, I think. Which one was Russia, Moscow. Mascot was like number seven. Oh, okay. Uh, Steve Gutenberg left after. Uh, I don't think he was in four. Okay. I think he left after the third one. Bobcat, Bobcat Goldthwait or whatever. Three, yeah, yeah. He, he came say. into number two. I think. I think. Okay. I think Damn. he was like a villain in the first. He was a villain in one of them, and then he came mm. good in the next one. 
there's a tie there to what we talk about because they, they always have the obstacle course montage in those Police Academy movies, which is a lot like your Spartan races. That's a good point. And I got my Spartan Way shirt on right now, actually, funnily enough. Yeah, nice yeah. job. I've got our Breaking the Barrier t-shirt on. Yeah, well, you're uh, you're a better supporter of the podcast, I think. <laughs> um, oh. Speaking of uh, obstacle course race, I had a good strength training session today. I'm, I'm getting better with my squats. I'm getting better with my Ooh. squats. I'm right up to 90 kilograms for five reps, which is still, you know not where it should be considering I am deadlifting 110 and uh, uh, benching 100. So you would think it'd be the opposite, but I'm getting stronger. I feel like I'm getting better and my range of motion is, is uh, improving. The reason that I say that's related to Spartan is just because, you know, obviously there's a lot of grip intensive stuff with a deadlift Mm. and with the squats, helping you build that power in your legs, which we talked about. You know, those you, you can really build the fast twitch muscles if you if you power through those heavy movements. Um, so yeah, that's been going really well. Uh, As a general rule, well, do you have a general rule of thumb for what your what an optimal chest is versus deadlift versus squat? I've always worked on the rule that your squat should be one and a half times your bench, and your deadlift should be two times your bench. That sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's all kind of yeah. I guess it's relative. But I think that that sounds pretty good. Like, I for sure know that my squats are not where they should be. And my... I think bench my bench... is too much. My bench is probably too much, compared, definitely compared to my squat. But that said, I don't... Do you know, I was... I don't know. There's a couple of... There's a few runners out there that just, like, really thrive with... Thrive with well-built muscle nick bear mm. he just did a sub 250 marathon he's yeah. huge uh hunter mcintyre the sheriff he's a big guy he's like a clydesdale he's probably able to do a 240 something marathon if maybe even better you know so it's all about genetics i think and yeah. i think i don't know that muscle will hinder people as much as it could that said i think weight depending you know, and that's a sensitive subject, you know. Yeah. But when you talk about weight, you know, there's probably everybody has an optimum, optimal race weight. Where I think if I were to get down to 70, 75 kilograms would probably be about optimal for me. Anything less than that, I'd probably get some diminishing returns. And maybe I could have a couple good races at about 71, 72. But yeah. then I, I might fade quickly and it's not a good place to live and probably 85 is too heavy for a for a fast for, for we're talking about doing long running and endurance i'm talking about just like, like fast racing yeah 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 i mean yeah because sprinters like we've talked about in the past sprinters have a lot of muscle and, mm-hmm. and uh but they'll again well I, I was gonna say they're not that tall but then a saying bolt came along but then again the same bolt was just he's, lean how mass. Tall is he? he's yeah. like six, oh, he's six 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 okay yeah he's huge he's yeah. a big dude he's bigger than you Oh yeah, he's like three and a bit inches taller than I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, six, oh, just three. under six three. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm just under um, six three. Freakishly tall, as we've discussed. Yeah, but it's it's funny. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about what's the optimal, like what's your what's your optimal body composition. I'm like, well, it depends on what I'm doing. If yeah, I'm doing ultras, yeah, I want I want to be heavier for ultras. I want more muscle. I want to be able to soak yeah. up the pain. Whereas if I'm running a marathon. I want to be a lot leaner, mm-hmm. but when I'm, you know, lean marathon weight for me, I mean, marathon runners are, are tiny. Yeah. And so lean weight for a marathoner at my height is, it's super skinny. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty full on. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, an ultra runner or a trail runner, 
tend to be a little bit more. The, uh, the analogy I always use is marathon runners are the power rangers in all the lycra type stuff. And trail runners are like the Ninja Turtles, where they're like carrying that. a little bit more gear and stuff around with them. Yeah. I like that analogy. That's br- yeah. both of those things I grew up with loving. So that's yes. amazing. This is a real 80s podcast, folks. If you're yeah, still listening to seriously. this, well done for hanging on. Well done for being <laughs> older than 30. Yeah. Um, Which if you are and you're running, you probably do need this podcast yeah, um, to I'd remind say. you how to get through stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And if you are older than running and uh, older than running, if you're older than 30 and you're just getting into things, well, it's not too late. Ooh, Tim's just entered the waiting room. We're going to admit him now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Listeners are going to hear him join live. We should have a drum roll. Here he comes to save the day. Oh, he's connecting. I think he was just... Here he is. Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you going? Good, man. How are you doing? We were just talking hey. about you. Awesome. Yeah, really We good. should warn you, Tim, you are live on the Ooh, podcast. You are yeah, live, okay? How's my hair, been... my hair looking? All right. Looking well, good. Okay. <laughs> You're not live on video, and there's been no formal introduction whatsoever because Andrew's really lazy with production values and doesn't That's do that. So not so true. Come on, Andrew. I try. Get it, you know get what? It together. Come on. I will try to get it together. Uh, you know, I, I was telling Zach that I've turned it into this creative, yeah, we just kind of go with the flow and we record and see what we can pick up. And if there's anything good, we keep it. If it's not, we cut it. But that's just my justification for not editing so much anymore. Well, I'll yeah, be careful of all my swear words and inappropriateness. Uh, no, I have don't. to watch myself. That's fine. <laughs> we like swear words on this one. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know, which is everybody, because... You know, nobody knows. We spent 20 minutes talking about nothing and not actually setting any context for Tim joining the podcast. Exactly. Sorry, I was, yeah. sorry, I was late. I had to download Zoom. I thought I, I thought I had the app, but I didn't. So. No, that's how have you gotten through COVID and not had Zoom? That's a good point. Um, Google, Google Meet. Meet. Yeah. Just use Google Meet. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim Norton joins us today. So Tim is now he's a he's a manager with Jets. Obviously, I work with Jets and. He posted something in the group manager chat the other day about Run Melbourne sharing uh, one of his posts, and we got talking, and it turns out that Tim has a really awesome running story. So he's been running for quite a while, and he's had some hiccups along the way. So Tim, why don't you why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your history and as as running uh, as running is concerned, and what you've done and and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. So. Um really started around mid high school i was um i was never the fittest kid going around i was more of a i'd go ride my bike after school with my mates kick the footy play a bit of tennis and then i think around about year 10 i was just doing the school cross country and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden i noticed i was beating all the fit guys i was like passing all like the really fit football players i think that year what i I think i won that year and in the last 100 meters i out sprinted like the the school hero like the the one that everyone loves is always the fittest guy and just out of nowhere, just really surprised myself. So, yeah, what was that, 16? So probably about year 2000 or 1999. And then from there, I thought, this might be something I could like go pretty far with. So from about year 2000 onwards, I um, kind of dropped the other things I was doing, like tennis, basketball. Um, and, yeah, just really took up running. Joined my first ATS club in 2001. So I was 18 then. And then from there, there just really took off in track and field and cross country um within my first year of serious training i was making state teams in cross country wow Wow. took a little longer to develop in track and field but after a few years i was i was far better at track than i was cross country um yeah by 2006 i was like winning state open titles um probably one of my my fondest memories was in 2006 
we had the the state championships at the MCG. It was like a warm-up event for the Commonwealth Games because they were going to be at the MCG as well. Um, and yeah, I won won the fifth the, the Open State fifteen hundred that year, which is um yeah a big source of pride for me. Never being defeated at the MCG is pretty awesome. <laughs> that's pretty They'll crazy. probably never put an athletics track in there again. So yeah, for me that's a really good memory. Do you um, remember then, what your time was for that one? Um, I mean, that wasn't a quick race. That was just a championship race. But um, mm. uh, the, I think yeah. in the I think the final the final started off slow and just wound it up, wound it up, and in the end just had a bit of a good kick down with a few young guys. And I think I ran three fifty one that day. But Whoa. yeah, <laughs> um, my, my PV from a month before was three forty two. That's which, um Yeah, they say if you can run three forty three for fifteen hundred, you can you should be able to break a four minute mile. So yeah, that's kind of the level it was at. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was 2006. That was probably my best year and running good over 800 and 400 and 5K as well. Yeah. What's your 5K PB? Um, to be honest, I didn't actually do many on the track. I did more road races. Okay. Um, I think my 5K PB is actually from a park run I did. On like that was going to be my stony, question. Yeah, on have a, you stony, done? a stony course. It was um, at Lilydale Lake. I did a 14.54, which was a course record at the time. The wow. First, yeah, it was the first sub-15 and... I was really proud with that. I wanted to do that for ages and finally did it. But I think the record's down to like 1430 something now. So some young kids have come along and smashed it. So kids. <laughs> that, that's, that one's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Zach and I are very familiar with, with park run and you know, we, you and I, Tim, we haven't really spoken about our, uh, my running or Zach's running, but we're not there. <laughs> hey, hey, as long as you're out there doing it. That's, all that's exactly that's right. That's exactly right. I so, enjoying it. Well, yeah, that's 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 the main thing is that, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you go, which is coming from somebody who can't go that fast. <laughs> but it, as long as you're enjoying it, that's that's just phenomenal, dude. So in terms of in terms of sort of uh, track workouts compared to so obviously a 1500, it's very different from a 5k. How do you how, do, how would you prepare for those differently? Like or in terms yeah. of the actual race itself. So for me, when I'm trying to do a fast 5K, I know that there, you know, I've got X amount of kilometers, five, to figure out what my splits are going to be. And there's not a lot of room there. So I try to start at one pace and maybe yeah. potentially yeah. negative split if it's possible. I imagine with a 1500, because we haven't really talked to a lot of, you know, no, five. most of our runners that we talk to start at like five and yeah, we're talking yeah, about people who are struggling and battling their way through marathons and ultras because those are stupid torture chambers, whereas yeah, 1,500 meters is, is like an intense crucible of awesomeness. So yeah. Yeah, my, my event's awesome. It's done in four minutes. <laughs> or quicker, hopefully. Yeah, well, hopefully. And so how do you approach it? So if you're going starting, do you would you generally just start as fast as you can and and maybe um, blow up toward the end, or would you start a little no, bit slower and speed up toward the end? Not really. Do you I mean, go based on the race? Yeah, it really goes based on the race. Um, I mean, there's some races you get in if you're competing at like, just say like I don't know, like the Australian National Series, or they used to be called like the Grand, the State Grand Prix meets back in the day. Um, I would never be the guy who's going out trying to make it a fast time. I was more the young kid trying to hang on and trying yeah. to run mm. personal bests. Um, and that's where I was running my faster times, like 345s up to 342s, just kind of just hanging on in those races. Um, so in them, it was not me having to think about setting the pace. It was more me trying to control what I was doing. I wouldn't want to go right off in the front and say, go through the first lap in 55, because that would just blow me up. That would have me on like three minute 30 pace probably. Mm. Um, actually, I do remember one race. This was the, um, it was a, 
don't know if any of your viewers would know, it's the, the Telstra A series, mate. It was in Melbourne in 2005 and we had two of the quickest Kenyans in the world. I think one of them was the eighth fastest 1500 runner of all time. Wow. I don't remember his name. Might have been William Cheerchier. Um, so we knew it was going to be quick. And I think I went through the first 300 in about 38 and I was just mid pack feeling comfortable and I saw the clock and I panicked because I normally go through in like, I normally go through in 44, 45. Yeah. I looked at the clock and I thought, shit, if I keep this up, I'm going to blow up. But I was feeling good. So I probably should have just gone with it. In the end, I just, I held back a bit and didn't run a great race. So sometimes it's better if you're not thinking of your time, you're just going with it and just, just going by how you feel. See, that's, that's great advice. I think a lot of us, a lot of running runners get, they, they start out and they look at their watch and all of a sudden it's like, oh, damn it. I'm going faster than I'm supposed to. And yeah, sure, of course, easy runs, you want to do all that. But there are certain days when you can push it. And I think there are some of us, myself included, where sometimes I'll look down at my heart rate or my pace and it's a little bit uh, higher than I would like it to be or it should be, quote and unquote, mm-hmm. even though I'm feeling good and I'll take it right back. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think when you can be a little bit gutsy with it, you can find yeah. out a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, and some every day is different as well. Some days you can just pull an absolute I'll be a miracle out of your ass really. Mm. And just have one of those days that just comes along like once a year. And you kind of hope that day happens to be on race day. Cause that's where I always happen to drop like a big, a big chunk off my time is if I just had one of those races where I just hung in there and just didn't really think about the pace and just, just guts it out. And you just have one of those days where you just, it's just like a miracle happens. You're like, how, how did I run that quick? Um, mm-hmm. But they don't happen often, <laughs> but um, yeah, in regards to like how fast you go out, um, yeah, you do have to be careful. If it's a longer race, 5, 10K marathon, because you've tapered, you're generally going to be feeling really good, really fresh at the start. So you don't want to go off crazy quick because you are going to pay for it. Yeah. Um, it was uh, towards like mid, I don't know, from 2015 onwards, I started taking like road races more seriously, like 5K, 10K, never really anything more than that. But there was a few races where I went out a bit quick and definitely paid for it. You just, the last half, you're just hanging on, just trying to get to the finish. But yeah, so you, those long ones, you definitely have to listen. Sure thing. When you What's, think back, Tim, to like 2005, 2006, where you said mm-hmm. you were probably feeling your best and running your best, looking back at it now, how do you, what, what do you, what do you remember about that time that you go, right, I knew I was, I know now that I was in good form. There was things that were clicking. What yeah. was your routine like or what were you seeing day to day? Well, back then I was, I was better at track, like the shorter stuff, 800, 1500, 3K. But as I got older, I think that, more of the anaerobic ability that I've got to run like a sustained fast pace. I think I kind of lost that once I hit 30. So from like Mm. 2012 onwards, and I did become better over say 5k, 10k, like fitter, fitter than I was back in 05, 06, but just didn't have that faster extended track speed. But, um, Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> was there anything about like was about your oh, yeah. training or your lifestyle or anything that you know you sort of look back and you go, yeah, I was I was on top of my game then. Uh, not particularly. Like I was always managing uni and work back when I was younger, so from like mm. 03 to 06, 07. Um, always managed to fit the training in, but it was always when I was yeah between work and uni. But I think I was just I was just young. I was improving every year, despite getting lots of injuries. I'd still somehow improve each year. Um. I just, I did a lot of actual like quality track work. When I look back at old training diaries, it kind of surprises me how fit I was. I look back at like, no offense to my old coach or anything. It's probably what should be done. But some of my sessions would be like four 200s in 1500 pace. And I look at it and go, it's not making me faster sprint wise. And it's not making me fitter. It's just not enough to make me fit. So 
what's kind of the point of the session seeing as it's like it's not peak time i don't have a race coming up why are we doing it but i don't know it just seemed to work you just your legs get used to that fast race pace and you can just sustain it as opposed to just going out for lots and lots of slow runs right so i think just lots of lots of quality track work that i used to do back in the day and be honest back then i don't remember doing many longer sessions like 1k reps mile reps which is more what i do now uh, training for the 5 and 10k but but everyone's different some people thrive off the longer slower runs and they can run quick i was never like that i needed yep. to do the the track work the quality work to feel comfortable at those speeds yeah right on and that's interesting because we we just actually funnily enough our last episode was on the long and slow easy run and the benefits of it and it just yeah. does it goes to show you that not everybody you know there is the 80 20 principle and there's polarized training and there's the you know the maffetone method and <clears throat> run slow to get fast but that doesn't work for necessarily everybody there there are always going to be exceptions to the rule and how big those exceptions are yeah. uh just this just goes to show you so what what's the longest distance you've run is it 10k or oh, in terms of a race yeah 10k 10k is the longest race i ever did but my sunday long run would go anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours just a nice easy pace and i just try and find as many hills as i can um, hmm. and where i was living at the time like out in wonga park um, which is kind of like the border in melbourne of where the suburbs meet yarra valley there's just tons of monster hills so i wasn't running fast but it's just getting strong from those runs and i normally always had a, a track session or interval session the next day so i was never really trying to flog myself on the sunday but just get good hills in right. and so yeah so even though you're legs. doing even though you're doing flat races you've mm -hmm. had a big proponent for hill work and getting those in and building up yeah. the variety well it was just more where i lived at the time i didn't really have much of a choice and i couldn't really be bothered driving anywhere and where i lived was like just so picturesque you're running along with these amazing hills valleys kangaroos everywhere so yeah i was happy running where i was yeah and so I, I knew I was, I was getting the benefits from the hills too. Yeah. So if listeners live near hills, make the most of it because yeah. you've got a, the, a gift right there. Definitely hit the hills. Yeah. Don't stay on the flat. Hills, yeah. yeah. They, they get you fit without having to, um, without all the impact on the body that the fast running does. Well, that's it. It takes a lot of the impact out when you're going mm -hmm. uphill. I mean, downhill is another story, but. Yeah. You got you to be careful with downs. Yeah. But like, if you, if you don't have access to a hill, get on the treadmill and put that thing at a massive incline yeah. and you're getting a great workout without some exactly. uh, without serious impact that's it so tim what happened so i want to dive into 2006 up until 2006 you were you're kind of kicking ass what happened there what happened yeah. after that um if you don't mind talking about it yeah so from 03 to 06 each year i was progressing really well in 800 1500 around about 04 my coach started putting thoughts in my head that keep keep improving and there's a chance you could make the 2006 commonwealth games team and that was in melbourne so having a home commonwealth games would have been insane and anyone who's who's watching or listening and actually watched the commonwealth games back in 06 or even went to it at the mcg would just know how amazing it was so yeah for me for about three years that was the main goal to make that team and it was a long shot i was still a young kid coming up and there was plenty of guys in the country better than me but it was still something i was going after um, the time I needed to run was three minutes 40. I think it was three minutes 40. Bang on. Um, yeah, with a year to go, I'd got down to 345. And I mean, it's possible, but it's a long shot. Um, with a few weeks to go in qualification, I ran a 342. Um, I thought, if I have a couple more good races, I can get this. Like, I've definitely got a few seconds in me. Mm. But yeah, I think that 342, that pretty much 
I was done after that. There wasn't much more in the legs. I thought I was. I thought I was feeling great. But um, I, think I just maybe I, I think looking back, I even got too strict on myself. I was like, all right, I'm going to do everything right for two weeks. I'm going to sleep well. I'm going to eat the cleanest foods I can. I'm not going to work as much. And I just think it just, I don't know, maybe took some sort of toll on my body. Got out of my normal routine and just took everything too seriously. And a week later, I ran about 20 seconds slower in a race in Canberra. I remember after the race, it came last, just took my shoes off and just threw them onto the track and just, yeah. just wanted to get the first plane out of there. Um, and then the next week was the trial, was the, the last chance. And I just went into it. Um, just, I had nothing. And it turns out a couple of days after the trial, I came down with a virus anyway. So it might've been in me. Mm. Um, in the trial, I made it through my heat, um, but just struggling to get through. And in the final, I think I came second last and didn't improve on my time. So yeah, that Commonwealth Games dream was over. Um, went and watched, which was amazing. Being at the MCG with Craig Mottram running the 5K and what did they call it? They called it a, was it a Kenyan sandwich. I think it was just Kenya, yep. Kenyan, Kenyan, Mottram, Kenyan, Ethiopian. It was, it was it was insane. And just what he did that day is probably one of the most inspirational things I've seen. I was sitting up in the top stand and just the roar was following around wherever he went. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. That was one of my favorite memories, but it would have been great being there. I wouldn't have been in that race with him, but yeah, there was uh, plenty of other better guys who made it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from then on, um, I think that was, yeah, I had a couple more races and ran some PBs over 800, which was great. So the season wasn't completely done. And then, what are we taking? That's probably April 2006. And I got in a car crash. So, my right. first, yeah, my first car was like a little old original mini, like a little tiny one. I always loved it. I had these big plans to do it up. Um, and yeah, I just got in a head on car crash. Some woman on the wrong side of the road just came straight into me, broke my car off. Right. Besides having a bit of a sore back and neck, I thought I was okay. But then just the next day, knees started getting sore, hips getting sore. And it was just all downhill from there. Had two hip surgeries. Didn't Ooh. really run again. Didn't really run again for three years. Did my first race back in late 2009. Um, and was able to start building from 2009, really. Yeah, so that was a that was a pretty shit time. It took away my early mid twenties, and yeah, I think I, I think I said to Andrew like I remember watching the 2008 Olympics on TV, and mm. like no disrespect to the guys who made the team like Jeff Risley, Mitch Keeley, but yeah, a couple of years back they were guys who like we were all up and comers, and I was able to beat them as much as they were able to beat me back then. So kind of watching them on TV while I was just recovering from a hip surgery got me pretty down. I was in a pretty bad spot doing a uni course I didn't really want to do. And yeah, that was uh, probably one of the lower times of my life, to be honest, watching those, watching those games, thinking what could have been. Did you want to get back to running at the time because oh, you desperate. loved running? Yeah. 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 I was desperate. Um, like at the time, it sounds a bit sad and pathetic, but it was really, I feel the one of the only things that gave my life that real purpose, like that reason to get up in the morning. Like hmm. it was just, it was just, it's just what drove me, you know, just one of that success and just the feeling of being like really Sounds like being a dick, but being really good at something is just yeah, no, it's pretty pretty cool. I always enjoyed and the thrill of racing, the thrill of a win, and chasing PBs and achieving them. It's just something that money can't buy. You can't go out and just buy that. You know, mm -hmm. you really got to earn it. Um, a lot of effort. There's a lot of heartache as well. A lot more downs than ups. So when you do have those ups, you, you really appreciate them. Yeah, I've learned that. I've learned that a lot more as you as I got older and numerous surgeries and injuries that you really have to make the most of on a PB, like 
might never run one again. And that 342 I ran back then was that was a, that was the quickest I ever ran for 1500. Mm. Yeah, never went quicker after that. How has your training changed as you've gotten older with the um, with the injuries and everything? Because I mean, you know, every yeah. runner hits injuries at some points. Lots of runners get into running as sort of recovery from a physical. Like I got into running uh, because I ruptured my Achilles. I was a runner yeah. before that. And then I kind of lost it and, and lost my way. And then when I ruptured my Achilles, it was like, well, I want to walk again. If I can walk again, yeah. I can run again. If I can run, yeah. can I run 5Ks? Can I run 10Ks? And now I run stupid distances. Yeah. So yeah. for me, that was like my impetus. And I think lots of other people find running that way as well. Yeah. But how, how did you rupture you... it? What, how I, was did playing, you rupture? I was playing basketball. So yeah, yeah I, was, I just went to jump and just heard it pop in both ears and came down. Yeah. And that You weren't even supposed to be playing that game. I, I wasn't even meant to be playing. Yeah. Oh, no. no. No, I was, I was filling in. They told me I'd play 15 minutes off the bench. I think in the oh, first no. game I paid 35. Oh, so, no. yeah. <laughs> I think my, uh, my, my brother-in-law just did that injury. Well, not uh, ruptured his Achilles. He uh, just strained his calf just playing a local basketball game. Just same thing. Got to be careful. Yeah. Easy just say to no do. to basketball. <laughs> just run around in circles like I do or That's hit the fair. hills. That's it. Although, yeah. no, that, no, don't do that. That's given me a lot of injuries too. That's <laughs> was there any time during your time off of running after the surgeries during the surgeries that you thought that maybe you wouldn't be able to run again no um to be honest no in 2000 what was it 2000 early 2008 when i had my first hip surgery i spent about a year and a half just not really knowing what my problem was like things showed up on the scan but doctors didn't think that was what was causing me my pain Mm -hmm. basically all my muscles around my hip were like spasming locking up all the time like if I broke out of anything quicker than a jog, my hamstring would just completely spasm. My glutes would just lock up. I was getting treatments for that and they weren't really sure why. Then it turns out it was the hip joint itself. Um, oh. once, I, once I got that operated on, everything after rehab and everything, after, everything came good basically. Um, after that first surgery, the surgeon did tell me that if I decide to keep running within 10 years, I'll need hip replacements. And I was 24 or 25 at the time, I'm 38 now. Um, so, I mean, that was pretty scary, but I made the decision that probably cut back on the mileage, do more quality work, really focus on gym work to keep everything strong, take the pressure off the joint. Um, so it was never in my mind to quit. Like, right. um, I was always really driven and focused on my, my rehab, my recovery, um, everything I did, I, I did it, but, but I loved doing it. It's what I wanted to do. So it was never a burden. It was never a chore. Yeah. And did you so- Sorry. Yeah, have you had to have that second hip replacement or hip surgery yet? Or nah, so so that first one was two thousand eight. I was started training really well towards the end of oh eight. Um, started thinking I was going to race again, and then the exact same sort of thing was started happening on the other side, um, uh, on the other hip. Um, but at least this time I knew what was going on. I could have the surgery quickly. Um, got that done in early two thousand and nine, and then by late two thousand nine, I was starting to. Yeah, I really made like my real first proper comeback with running and was able to race again towards the end wow. of 09. And I was saying to Andrew, within a few months of like coming from pretty much three years of almost not really any running, no racing, within a couple of months, I ran the qualifier for nationals in 800, which was 150, 151 and a half. Uh, I think that was a PB for me at the time, wow. or maybe just half a second off. So I was pretty proud of myself for that, just a couple of months back and just doing that, doing those sort of times was, yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, I can imagine. And did you do any kind of uh, cross training or anything during the time you couldn't run to keep up that aerobic? Yeah, engine I did and a, anaerobic power. Just a just a ton of bike riding, but like not yeah. huge, not huge distances. Maybe 
20, 30 K, but I'd hit them hard and I'd do repetitions. Um, lots of gym. When I could, I'd do a lot of swimming and deep water running. Oh man. The number of times I've gone to the pool just to deep water run, it's just oh, it's the most mind numbing stuff, but at, le- at least you can get out there and still keep fit. And to anyone who's injured, if you can do deep water running where you put a, get one of those uh, buoyancy, what's that they call buoyancy belts, put it around your waist and just do like a cycling action that mim- mimics your running. If you can get in the pool and do that, it keeps you fit. If you have like a two month injury, but you're in the pool most days doing that, you'll surprise yourself at how fit you are when you come back. It'll take your legs a little while to get used to the of the running but once you build that up you you got a really good really good aerobic fitness base um it's boring boring but just get it done can't be any more boring than a treadmill i guess oh i don't know i don't know tough one tough call that one yeah. <laughs> i'm not a, I'm, like i work in a gym but i'm not a fan of indoor cardio yeah um yeah i'd rather be outside when it's freezing cold dark and pouring rain than just sweat my ass up on a treadmill looking at a screen i can't do it i need to be outside i need to be stimulated what's your routine like like in winter um i'll I'll always go outside if i can yeah yeah um i just like the feeling of knowing that i'm going somewhere i'm seeing things passing things and i know i see it as a bit of a journey as well so it's probably a strange thing to think but i just hate indoor cardio can't stand are you a a morning runner or do you tend to get Um, up early and get out of the way or how's your routine like I mean, if I can if I can do it in the afternoon, which with my job I'm pretty lucky I can, then I prefer to. My body's a bit more awake. My legs don't. I don't feel like a baby giraffe like I do in the morning. Sore <laughs> Achilles. Those first few minutes you're just stumbling along like a little yeah. like a little like little old man. Um, but no, I, I just fit it in my can. Um, preferably not at the end of the day. Just yeah, mornings or afternoons. And in terms of so, you're are you you're currently training for the run Melbourne? Are you? tentatively so again i have my my third and final hip surgery in 2020 mid 2019 i started getting some really bad pains in my the front of my hip um Mm. we were thinking it was hip flexor like psoas tendonitis was getting treated Mm. for that for maybe 10 months it was getting treated for that and then they kind of picked up something in a scan i had months back and they thought i think we better go and operate clean up again um yeah so we did that in mid 2020 during the lockdown um struggled with the recovery to be honest like when i was younger i recovered pretty quick then three months mm. i could run again but yeah. this one took up until early last year so what are we like january february 2021 before i could even run again just all the muscles on that side were just so fatigued even going for a 10 minute walk you could just feel the fatigue and tightness in those muscles um i'm gonna do a bit of a plug here so um, an old friend from primary schools uh her and her partner have a company called total reformation in brighton um it's kind of like PT, strength, rehab, um, but it's stuff you'd never see in the gym. It's like, whereas the gym, you do a lot of movements that are up and down or forwards and back, just like single plane movements. Yep. Their movements called uh, like fun- functional patterns training. Um, everything is three-dimensional. There's lots of rotation. You're using upper body with lower body. You're never doing like just straight up and down sort of things. And it's just amazing for, you, for your core strength, your glute strength, just getting everything working the way it's actually designed to as opposed to like lying on the ground, just thrusting your hips up and down, which isn't what we're designed to do. It's not a great exercise for your glutes, but it's the fact that everyone loves it. Um, everything that I do is pretty much like single leg, uh, incorporating rotation. So using lots of muscles, uh, working together. And I found within a couple of weeks of doing that with those guys, my hip was just, it just felt a million dollars. The strength was there. I could run. 
Um, so yeah, a bit of a plug to Daz and Emma at Total Reformation Brighton. <laughs> we'll link to them in the show notes because I you got me curious. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. If anyone's interested, just Google functional patterns. Have a look at some of the videos, and you'll see. Wow, I don't I don't see people doing this in the gym, but it's a lot of stuff with like kettlebells, dumbbells, using multi cable machines, using like dumbbells and cable machines at the same time to do like the exercises. They look weird, but they get you thinking you can never switch off in the session. Like when you're just sitting there doing a chest press, you can just do the motions. This, you've just got to think about every aspect of what you're doing. Is my knee twisting in? Is my hip dropping? Is my chest up? Am I rotating enough? Every rep I do, they're pulling me up on something I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just never relax, but it's, it's awesome. It gets you really strong and it's great for my running. Right Before on. we jumped on, we were talking about strength training and how heavy Andrew goes in certain exercises and stuff like yeah. that. How much strength training do you do and sort of what's your approach for that? Yeah, so I'll do um, two to three of those sort of sessions a week. I do one with them at the studio in Brighton and then um, I do a couple that I do myself at the, the gym I work at. Um, I mean, I'm not going super heavy. It's not like I've got a big bar on my shoulders, but it's... With most exercises I do, my if I'm training the glutes, for example, I'm pretty fried after like 10 reps. Like I can really feel my form is going and that's normally when I, when I stop. Um, so even though it doesn't look like you're lifting a lot with a cable machine or you don't have a big heavy dumbbell, just the way you do the movement, how slow and controlled it is and how, fo- how focused you are on all the different elements, just really fatigues you. And I come out of those sessions just feeling so strong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. I was actually talking about that with uh, Stefan at uh, Jets the other day, and we were talking about resistance band stuff and some of the things that I do with my resistance bands. And they're just yeah. they're resistance bands, you know. They're not there's not a lot of weight there, but I could probably come out of say some donkey kicks back side diagonal, do a few sets of those of like twenty and feel yeah. much more fried than doing a heavy set of squats. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which is, which is crazy because it's all those stability muscles and it's getting yeah. that three-dimensional movement. And mm-hmm. it's just and you work, yeah. Yeah, and you're working on your balance on the other leg, which is really important for running. While you're doing a kick with one, with one leg working those muscles, the other side is having to work hard too because you're having a balance, which is hugely important for running. So I always say to people, the more single leg exercises you can do and the more specific it is for running, it's going to be better for your running. Mm. yeah so other than other than strength training so theoretically everything goes if everything goes well what is your what are your running workouts like leading up to so if you do if you're doing something like the 10k in the in the run melbourne what would your what would your sort of week look like in terms of run workouts? yeah yeah sure actually sorry I'll, I'll touch on what you asked before so um i am planning to do the 5k the run melbourne oh right on um, okay i was running i was starting to run pretty well up until about a month ago i came third in the mother's day classic 8k and i won the mornington running festival 5k um so in may i was running pretty well but um started getting a bit of hip pain again and i was starting to get really worried like as of yeah the last month but um just i did a ton of strength work lots of trigger point stuff on my glutes stretching just all that sort of stuff every day and yeah from looking like i was probably gonna have to have another operation is what i was thinking it's just come good 100 percent. just really focusing on that stuff um so now I am, yeah, training for Run Melbourne again. I'm probably not going to be in the most amazing shape. If um if I could win the 5K, I'd be wrapped, but it's not going to be a super fast time. I'm not I'm not going to be running like 14, 15 minutes or anything. I love how you level set there, Tim. You're like, oh, I'm not sure how good I'm going. I guess I'll set my expectations <laughs> and maybe just win the whole thing. Yeah. No, all right. Um, 
I'm, I mean, I'm disappointed if I don't win a race. Like, to be fair, wow. but it, 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 it depends on who shows up. Like, mm. I'm nowhere near the level I was three years ago pre-hip surgery. I'm still on the way back. And um, in the time off, I actually focused on on gym instead. I kind of got to the point where I thought, I don't think I want to be a runner anymore. I don't really want to look as skinny a runner as I have to be. Mm. I look back at photos from like 2018 and friends say, man, you just look sick. Like you were so skinny. Like you just look like you were ill. Um, yeah. And I kind of just didn't want to look like that anymore. As, I know it sounds vain, but. No, we so were just talking the, about it before about how, you know, your weight for different types of running, like yeah. your weight, your weight as a trail runner versus a marathon runner is very, yeah. very different. And sometimes that true marathon running, depending on your frame, you can be really, really skinny. Yeah. Yeah. The skin how tall are you, Tim? I'm six one, so about one eighty seven, one eighty eight. Yeah, I'm one eighty nine. So oh, okay. the second you start getting lean, it starts yeah. to spread out really quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm naturally lean, and my best running weight, I was kind of around seventy two kilos. And mm. three years ago, three years ago, I was wow. getting down to like sixty nine, seventy. Um, I had a few health issues, saw a naturopath, and he basically just changed my diet completely to the point where I was just low on energy all the time. And I probably got down to 68 kilos and just started running terribly too. Just fatigued, couldn't keep up with people I normally would in training. Um, and yeah, yeah, I had my hip surgery and just didn't think I wanted to do it anymore, to be honest. Um, actually, yeah, just so just hit the gym during lockdown and actually put on like 20 kilos, up to 92 kilos coming from 70. Just purely gym and doing bike rides, really. Um, but then, yeah, last year I started noticing I could, I was starting to run well again, could actually run. So the weight's come off pretty quick and I'm back down to about 80 now, which I kind of want to stay at. I don't really want to yeah. get any less than 80 because um, I'm kind of happy with the physique at the moment. You still run pretty well. So if I could run in the 16s at Run Melbourne, I'd probably be pretty happy, like 16 minutes, something. Um, it's a fair way off what I was, but. I think still I'm bloody good. Happy. Still pretty good. I'd still be happy with that. It's, yeah. I'm still on, I'm still on the way back. It's a long road back, but. We'll keep going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right sorry. On. So the so the training leading into it. All right. If I was if I was at my best, say like 2018, I ran my PB for 10K, which didn't quite get under the 30 minute mark. It was always the aim. Um, I was pretty much yeah, just uh, what it was, 30 minutes 17 seconds was my best for 10K. Wow. Um, my week I usually runs six days a week. Make sure I have one day off. Sunday's a long run, so usually hour and a half to an hour 45 again slow easy hit the hills um, always finish with some big hills but never that quick um yeah i mean to give an example it's probably like four minute 40 kilometer to five minute kilometer pace depending on how i feel um monday thursday saturday we're usually interval sessions or tempo runs or, or a race on a saturday and then just the other days are just real easy runs maybe like an hour easy 70 minutes easy if i'm feeling terrible maybe half an hour easy usually a day off on Tuesday or Friday. So three hard days, one long run, a couple of easy runs and a day off. I think that adds up to six or seven days. And usually on my usually on my session days, I'll do my um my resistance work. Yeah. I'll, I know a lot of people, they like to do their resistance work when they have their easy runs, but I like to have my easy day as a real easy day. So yeah. I kind of figure if I'm doing strength work on my slow, easy recovery run day, it's not that much of a recovery run. I prefer to do it when I'm warmed up after my all sessions really yeah yeah that's fair I'm a, I'm a bit i'm a bit different in that regard oh well, i think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are that live in that kind of area in that zone where keep your hard days hard and your easy day easy i think that's yeah. uh there's something to that 
something. And you might notice a couple of percentage points difference in what you're lifting, but it's not going to be that big. And again, you're not lifting to lift, you're lifting to be strong yeah. enough to run. So Yeah. And a lot of the time, most of my stuff was body weight work anyway. Like before I discovered um like as M and Daz at Total Reformation, I was doing I still single leg stuff, but not to the knowledge level that they have. I was doing a lot of single leg half squats, single leg quarter squats, a lot of lunges, walking lunges, step ups. Um, lots of different variations on step ups um, and then just some body weight, upper body and core stuff. That was what the majority of my sessions were. I'm just kind of training myself on that. Nice. Yeah. And so how do you approach race week and race day? So, I mean, if it's a really big race, just say it's like, a, like your national championships and it's the one you're looking to peak for, um, you do, you do want to drop your training back. Um, it's more about dropping your mileage, keeping the intensity up, keeping your body used to working hard, but without draining your body with lots of mileage. Um, I've trained a lot of runners and talked to a lot of runners, people who are starting out and they'll have a program off the internet and they'll start tapering like three weeks before their race. I'm like, it's mm. too long. Your body's just going to get used to you just taking it easy and come race day, you're just going to feel flat if you're, if you're trying to peak and, um, yeah, taper for too long. So to be, to be honest, like me, I'd probably spend a week, just one week tapering. I'd still do a, a decent long run a week before my main race and just gradually leading up to the race, my runs are getting shorter. Instead of a 60-minute easy run a few days before, I might do a 40-minute easy run. And instead of eight one-minute reps, I might do four two-minute reps, you know, like three days out before the session. So keep the quality up, but just not flogging yourself with mileage. You think the reason those internet training plans do that is because they're pitched for novices and it's all about injury prevention and trying to fix those little niggles three weeks out? Um, I haven't put an awful lot of thought into it, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not, not sure. I mean, it could be. could be. Hopefully they don't have niggles, but <laughs> they're going into it. Hopefully they're going into it in good shape and feeling like they can run well. But um, Is that a thing that actually happens? Yeah. <laughs> People not have niggles? <laughs> um yeah it could be could very well be but yeah to be honest i haven't i haven't really thought of it in that regard i just thought maybe the some of the programs weren't great yeah um, yeah now, I mean, yeah now, now i need i need to drop off tim and leave you in andrew's capable hands but the question i do oh, want to no. ask is um shoes are you a particular yep. shoe wearer of any particular brand or, or type or you tend to be a little bit more whatever's on special or whatever you're sponsored by yeah, so I, I was I was never quite lucky enough to get a sponsorship. Like I really tried hard, like in the early, in my early twenties, like oh four, oh five, oh six. But just at that time, you didn't have social media and all that, and put yourself out there. And yeah, no one was that keen to take me on board. And to be honest, I grew a little bit bitter at some of the companies and some of the ways they wrote they wrote back to me. So I'm not going to name names, but there were some shoes I haven't worn since. <laughs> um, but um. For me, in about 2010, I got onto the um, just like your staple running shoe, your Nike Structure. I'm actually yep. wearing it, wearing it now. Good thing about them is you can go to like the Nike DFO store. I always go to South Wharf and you can pick them up for half price, or sometimes you can get like a pair for 80 bucks. They might be like last year's model, but if you can get a pair for 80 bucks, like compare that to 200 at Rebel. Um, I usually mm. buy like four pairs at a time, and they'll last me a year or so. Um, so in terms of like just getting the mileage in, the Nike Structure is really good for me. Um, I do I do roll in a little bit, just a little yep. bit. So they do provide that a little bit of that medial support that I need. Um, I have tried a Pegasus, a more neutral shoe, and um, I think oh, it was a long time ago. I think I was just getting knee issues, so the shoe that shoe just wasn't right for me. 
um, it's, it's good for a lot of people. Just yeah, just my foot and my body. It wasn't great. Um, in terms of racing, I used to love racing in the uh, the good old Flyknit racer. Been on oh, yeah. those from like 2014, 2015. Man, I love that shoe. That was awesome. They just they don't sell them anymore. Mm. Um, and then yeah, from as soon as those super shoes came out, like your vapor flies, I was onto them. Love the first them. time, the first time I wore them, I was uh, I did my warm up. I was at the track, did my warm up in my my structures. Chucked the other uh, vapor flies on for my run throughs. I'm like, what the hell am I wearing? This is literally <laughs> like, this is literally like got jetpacks in my shoes. You take like insane. 20 seconds off your pace and your heart rate stays the same. Oh, they were crazy. And yeah, so I got my first pair of those in early 2018. And every race I did for six months, I was just taking chunks off my time. So that was when I took the a, the big chunk off that park run time. I think I went from a 15.05 to a 14.54. And wow, it could have been fitness, could have been the shoes, could have been both. Um, a few months later, I won the Mother's Day Classic 8K about 30 seconds quicker than I ran it before. It was like I think it was like a low 24 I'd ran. Um, so I was like pumped to run that quick, and I thought, me or the shoes? Shoes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll I'll probably always be a super shoes guy now. <laughs> it's hard. Um, not- Andrew, you you with Andrew and that. All right, I'm going to drop off, gentlemen. And leave All right. I look forward right, to hearing Thanks the rest very much. of the podcast. Nice to meet Appreciate you, gentlemen. See you, buddy. See yeah, dude, I love I love I've got. Um, I've got three pairs of vapor flies, and I just I just started with the alpha flies. Uh, oh, you got the alphas? They're okay. actually. You I, like them? I think so. I, I they feel different, don't they? They feel tried, different. Yeah. I've, I've only tried them on at the shoe shop, so I actually bought a new pair of. I don't know, I don't know what they are. They're probably like Vaporfly Next Percent Two. I don't know whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the week before I did the Mother's Day Classic this May, just gone, um, and I did try on the alpha flies, and oh, no, I just thought they were a little bit too much for me just because i do the shorter races um and a bit more expensive too and the vape flies i got look be cool they're black bit of pink bit of blue on them so i thought i'm just gonna go there they look good no they're yeah. good yeah no I, <laughs> I think i like the alpha flies for the long the longer distances they yeah they i think that's do, what better, they're better for they are i think so anything over probably i could probably do the vapor flies for a half but i think i will try in october the alpha flies but yeah yeah i remember the first time i wore those things and i was like wow the only time i ever did a a sub 25 K, which I'm headed back toward again. I was, I was in my, I was in my next percenters. Um, nice. You got, got to stick with them then. So sub sub 20 for 5k. That's what, that's what you're doing. Yeah. So my, my PB for 5k is 1952. Oh, nice uh, work. Get my, sub 20. That's good. Yeah. And you know, my absolute goal, I'm, I'm working with a guy called uh, Kirk DeWint right now. My absolute goal is a sub three hour marathon, which is yeah. out there. You got, there, a, you got but, a timeline for that? No, uh, when I first started this podcast, it was two years, but that was yeah. just a pipe dream. There was just like a whatever the hell. Um, but it's been a while. It's been like it's been a lot of injury. You know, like I was telling you, uh, my hip, yeah, uh, leading to IT band stuff, and so. But we're getting there. So I'm working with him. You know, we're getting yep. getting the speed back. You know, I haven't really worked on speed in probably about a year, but I, I cranked out a, a 21 minute 5k the other day, and I was like, oh, nice, well done. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so we're getting there. So yeah, I guess in terms of like, in terms of, cause you, you touched on mileage before and I wanted to ask this, uh, weekly mileage, what, what does that look like for you? Um, Kilometerage. To be, like, people ask me this and to be honest, I'm a pretty old school guy. Um, I've never been the sort of person who's like into Strava and the technology. Some runs, I don't even wear a watch. I'll just go out and just run cause I feel like running and like, I kind of know by the routes I go, how long it's going to be ish. Mm. um 
I mean, yeah, most of the time I wear a stopwatch, but I really don't log much of stuff. Um, I've never, I've never logged my mileage. I'm always, as long as I can get my three quality sessions in, I don't really care what the other days are. I don't care how I feel on the other days. It's just, I'll run 40 minutes or 60 or 70 minutes. Just, just recover before the next session. That was the aim. So I was never really one to hit mileage targets. Maybe I should have, I don't know. Um, I think maybe if I added up, maybe my biggest week would have been maybe 120, yeah. maybe. So not crazy compared to guys who are up to 200, but if you can put weeks and weeks and months and months on end of that, you're going to be running pretty well. And that's yeah. the key to running is just, you don't have to flog yourself every day. Um, I remember a quote I heard from Ryan Gregson. A lot of your viewers might know Ryan Gregson. Up until two years ago, he was the Australian record holder for 1500. He'd held it for 10 years and he's still going. Uh, great runner. Um, I remember reading a blog from his maybe back in 2012 and he said, um, it's not about flogging yourself every day. It's hold yourself back a little bit, train more towards 90%. And if you do that, you're more likely to weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months on end. Consistency, which is what's going, you're going to improve. Instead of training like a hero for a month and blowing yourself up and getting injured for a few months, and you know, you, you're just not going to progress doing that. So when I've been at my best, I've been at that mindset, just back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, don't completely blow myself up in those sessions. Um, go hard, but it's not a race. Yeah. Just, yeah, so I think it's just a, a good mindset to take into it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I have personally gotten more out of training majority of my runs easy and my hard days, yes, hard, but not race hard, maybe like 90% hard where I can just find that pain cave, Yep. get comfortable living it. Well, get as comfortable as you can living in it, but not do it too often. Well, that's the thing. Like it's not really talked about much, but there's a huge neurological effect on your body and your body's body's ability to recover. Like neurologically, it's not just your muscles. Um, And like, if you're flogging yourself like multiple times a week, that's when your body's going to shut down Going to have like issues with fatigue. Your immune system's going to be not functioning at its best. Um, So yeah, I mean, your viewers can look into it. Um, It's definitely something worth looking into for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been there. Uh, with, you know, I think a lot of runners have gone through body image issues and training issues and all that stuff. So I think, I mean, I can say that that's, yeah, you, you get there and it, it does it becomes not just a physical need to recover, but like a mental need to recover. And that can, yep. that can yep, sometimes sure. take you. Yeah. Yeah. And some days you just need an, another couple of extra days just because your body's not feeling it or just, just mentally things yeah. might be going in your life and just not quite there to ham yourself in a session. So Oh, there's nothing wrong with taking the odd day off here and there. If no, anything, it's... probably a lot of people are scared too. Like the problem with a lot of runners is they have too much willpower. Mm. Um, they just won't take a day off. Like they'll know they're sick or they're injured, but it's just this thing. Oh, if I miss a day, my competitors are going to get a day's training on me. You know, um, I'm just, I'm going to lose fitness if I don't train this day. But a lot of the time your body just needs that break. Like I've been working in gyms a long time and I kind of use a, a bit of a, is it a gym analogy? I don't know, but a bodybuilder doesn't flog his biceps every day. He'll flog them like really hard in a session once or twice a week and then lets them recover. Mm. Um, runners kind of do the opposite. We try and flog ourselves every day and don't give ourselves a day off. You know, um, We need that time to recover. You need rest days. You need easy days. And a lot of runners just don't give it to themselves. I remember one coach. He wasn't my coach. He was a, um, a sprint coach at the track I used to train at. And he asked me, how many days a week do I train? Up? Six. And he goes, oh, well, that's a day you're not training. That's a day your competitors are getting over you. You're going to be losing fitness. I'm like, completely wrong, but (laughs) whatever. 
Yeah. If anything, I'm better off for it because my body is recovering. I can go into the next few days, the next week, the next training block after that feeling fresher. I'm not fatigued. I'm not injured. No niggles. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think, yeah, I think that that's, uh, I mean, you'd never, you'd never think about training your chest every day. So runners, no, no they'd rather, yeah, it's, it's better to take a day off now than have to take six weeks off later, I think. That's it. There's a, there's a quote I read in a really old running book. It's probably from the 70s or something, but you've got an illness or an injury. If you're in doubt about whether you should go for a run, you're kind of like having serious doubts. Should I run today? It's probably more likely than not best that you don't. Yeah. Um, there's been so many times where I just haven't really haven't wanted to run on a certain day. I'd come in late from work at nine o'clock and it's pouring down and just that dedication still makes you go out and have a run. Um, you might have a bit of a niggle, but you still go and do it. So many times on those days I've come back with an injury mm. and I just think if I would just listened to myself and not just fought that voice in my head and just, just taken a rest day, I wouldn't have this injury and I wouldn't be missing a few weeks. Yeah. So sometimes it is good just to, just sometimes, not all the time, don't get in the habit of listening to that voice that tells you not to do it, but sometimes you kind of just know that you need a rest. Sometimes you just got to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, yeah, that definitely doesn't become a habit. You're like, oh, I can't be bothered running today. I'm not going to do it, which yeah. probably a lot of people do, but yeah. No, yeah, sometimes you got to push through that. And uh, Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. To, yeah, and we, we did talk about that a couple of weeks ago too, the mindset of a of a competitor as opposed to just somebody who's not going to do their best. It's like sometimes, yeah. you know what, you just got to do the hard thing. Um, yeah yeah oh yeah it's i mean that more in regards to if you're feeling yeah, a niggle or if you feel like you're under the weather like sh i probably should take a day off but no i'm gonna go run mm. uh, a lot of the times you do make something worse yeah there's definitely yeah there's a difference between i don't feel like this and i probably shouldn't and um, most days we don't feel like it <laughs> yes. like, oh, do i have to run today that's about right. It's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> um, so I know it's getting late, dude. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you one one final question just um, yeah, no problem. for the for the listeners in terms of, you know, because I got, a, I'm sure, a few listeners getting ready for races. What race day you wake up? What yeah. does 5K race day look like for you? Okay. Uh, to be honest, I don't really do that many 5Ks. They're more if I do a park run. But, yeah, if I do anything like a 5, 8, or 10K, which are usually my road races, um let's say the race is seven in the morning i think that was the, yeah the last mother's day class was seven in the morning i'll probably get up around about five o'clock i don't like eating with too much in my stomach i'll mm. probably have half a banana maybe a full banana but i'll just make sure i really chew it up a lot so my stomach doesn't have to do as much of the digestion like really chew it up get that down get some water in again not too much because i don't want that swirling around giving me a stitch i find if i eat too much before a run kind of like shuts off my diaphragm a little bit mm. and then my breathing is terrible um, i get exercise induced asthma anyway so i'm always aware of that so i try and um, just manage that as best i can i find if i don't have much food in me breathing is a lot better and i think that's too with my diaphragm um probably something that's not really touched on that much i think it was just something i might have figured out myself yeah right. um yeah so about an hour hour and a half before I, I know i'll start my warm-up i'll have that that bit to eat get down to where i've got a find a toilet change do that sort of thing and i normally start my warm-up 45 minutes to 50 minutes before the gun goes it's normally a um 15 minute jog warm-up real easy real slow bit of a stretch for five minutes after that some static some dynamic stretches a few drills that i do and then with about 10 minutes to go before the race i'll start doing a few strides so 80 to 100 meters just four or five of them start off three quarter pace and gradually make each one quicker get your heart rate up get your Legs used to moving at a decent speed. And then after, yeah, after I've done five of those, I'll just head to the start line, just try and keep warm. So 
yeah, it's pretty much my routine. Again, not take too much water on board. Like it's early morning, it's not hot, so it's not like I'm gonna get dehydrated, but just enough to keep your mouth a bit wet. Right on. Yeah. Right. That's, um, yes, yeah, so that would be if I was doing like a fun run in the morning. If it was an evening race, probably pretty similar, but main difference is I've taken on more food during the day. So yeah. my last my last meal might be like two hours, two and a half hours before I have to warm up. Uh, it might be something a bit more substantial, like some some toast or yeah, like banana on toast, something like that. But nothing nothing too heavy. I remember like in the past, like as a runner, you make all the mistakes, but you learn from it. Yeah. I remember once back in 04, me and a mate were, he was a really good runner, Craig, Craig Appleby. Hey, um, We were working at a kid's camp in the summer and um, we had to take one of the nights off because we had a track race in Box Hill and we'd had dinner with the kids before our race. I think the race was like eight or maybe 8.30 or something. We were eating at six o'clock and we just had these big bowls of pasta and ate way too much and then we went to the track and we were just just both feeling so heavy so fatigued and i think we both went terribly that day just mm. not good so yeah i learned pretty quick from that one but you learn your lessons yeah fair enough yeah that's yeah always a, always a good time when you when you learn those new lessons when you're running i've learned plenty yeah. of them what i shouldn't can't and just yeah shouldn't oh, yeah. eat um, yeah, we're, we're always learning that's a good yeah. thing you that's make mistakes the... but as long as you learn from it it's not a mistake that's the thing about running that's what i think i like about it the most is that you're constantly learning I, i've yep. only been really seriously running for a few years and i'm learning something every day uh you know yep. different coaches i work or different people that i talk to different athletes that i see or coach myself uh, i don't <laughs> coach running athletes but you know i do coach um you know strength uh strength athletes and people who want to yep. run and you just learn something new every day yeah you do um, and every and every every person's body is different as yeah well. yeah exactly something i've learned um i happened to a client of mine when i was doing pt with him he was training for like marathons and half marathons and i mean i didn't really know at the time but we did a strength session in the morning we did quite a few exercises for his calves just to um just to help strengthen them up he had issues and then like, like nothing, to, it wasn't a crazy session, but then later in the day, he went for a jog. Again, nothing hard, just an easy jog. And he came up with a really sore calf. So I kind of learned that if people are going to be doing their strength in the morning, sometimes it's a good idea not to, not to run later on in the day. Just you've got that fatigue in those muscles and kind of anything you do, it's just going to blow them, potentially blow them up. And I did something similar last year. I was doing a strength session in the morning, really hit the adductors pretty hard. A lot of cable pulls with the, with the adductors and, a few hours later, I went and played tennis with a mate, went to sprint and take off for a ball and just pulled my pulled my groin, pulled my adductor. And it's been a bit on and off ever since, to be honest. Um, yeah, I thought, damn, I've made that same mistake. What am I doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the those are the ones that come back to bite you. Yeah. But we live, we learn, we get by them, and then we live to injure something else another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you, uh, you've had a lot of injuries yourself, have you? Uh, not a lot, just mostly the one, uh, it's always, you know, it's hip? been that, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's been the, the IT band leading to knee pain, which we've only really kind of, um, uh, cause I've been working with a myotherapist for a little while and we've really just narrowed it down to that hip and how it dips. And so, yeah. you know, when I run, I spend a little bit more time on that foot and just over time, it's just, yeah. But you know he's given me some cues and and exercises and it's yeah, you know it's been it's been doing all right you know I've been really upping my uh, training and building my resistance to impact and so you know I haven't had any problems with it in the past eight weeks so oh right know, yeah Good leading so, for the race yeah yeah so I'm 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 hoping you know I've I've done a couple of long runs yeah um, 
Well, I do a long run every week. So far, the longest in the last seven weeks has been 23, 22 oh, and a nice. half. 23, okay. Yeah, and I've got oh, a... Oh, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a 20... What's 16 miles? I don't know. That's What's that? Like 20... That 10K? 16 miles, 10K? Hang on. Other way No, around. no, no. I'm going the other way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 16 miles this week. That's like, I don't know, 26, 25, 26 yeah, okay. miles or something like that. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I throw a little bit of quality in there as well. So, you know, I start out, you know, easy pace for me keeping my heart rate under 140 is probably about a 630 kilometer and then 640 okay. kilometer and then i'll ratchet that down to whatever you know whatever yeah. i can get to yeah it's definitely important to do that keep stimulating mm. your heart that way get your heart used to pumping bigger volumes of blood makes it makes your heart more efficient um yeah i'm always a fan of doing the interval work yeah, yeah I, I always um yeah tell people to get in if you can do at least one interval session a week where you're working slightly faster pace, getting your heart working that little bit harder, um, it's definitely worthwhile. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, look, man, uh, like I said, it is late. I will, I will let you. I will oh, let no worries. You it's been good talking back. to you. No, it's been great, man. This has been, you know, this is probably one of the best, one of the best chats that we've had in a long time. And uh, it, it really opened, it will open a lot of eyes. So just to see what you've gone through, what you've done, what you're doing, how you do it, yeah. why you do it. That's awesome. I mean, I mean, I'll just add one thing. I think the key for me is like why I have kind of persevered through all the injuries. Like besides the hip surgeries, I've had like a lot of knee and Achilles, calf issues as well. So there always seems to be something I'm kind of coming back from. Like mm. it's never been like that linear progression. It's always been for me up, down, up, down. And I mean, it's been a, it's been a struggle. It's been tough. Um, but I just, yeah, I just love running. I just love what it's given to me. I love how it makes me feel and achieving things that money can't buy um that feeling when you when you run a pb or you win a race or you just do something you weren't expecting it's just just yeah an amazing feeling it's kind of what i run for as well as getting out and about and discovering really nice places to run and running with people it's a great community thing to do um doing park runs as well it's great fun and if you can join a run group and join chat with people it's just yeah it's just a great thing to do so just the love of it as well is why i kept doing it I don't think I can close out with anything better than that. That was kind of awesome. So, look, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this awesome conversation with Tim Norton on the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where we hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.